The following is a presentation of Cruise Addicts. Hi, Cruise Addicts. This is John Shallow, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. I was recently able to interview a very talented comedian and performer named Jason Love. Jason is a nationally touring headliner who has appeared on HBO, Comedy Central, America's Got Talent, and Dry Bar Comedy. His clips are also played daily on Sirius XM. He is a crowd favorite on multiple cruise lines, and we're going to cover a lot of that in this great interview. So let's go to that interview right now. I'm Jason Love. I'm a comedian. I live in Thousand Oaks. It's about a half hour from Los Angeles, just enough, just far away enough where people start saying hello back to you. <laughs> where are you, John? I forgot to ask. I'm actually in the Atlanta area in Georgia. All right. There's a big comedy scene there, too. Atlanta's uh, it's coming up. Yeah. So can you take us way back when you started in comedy? How did you start in comedy and then eventually working on ships? Yeah, it takes a long time to get to the cruise ship part. You have to really put in your time. Uh, I started 15 years ago, like everybody else. I went to the open mics. I cried myself to sleep. I wondered <laughs> who I am uh, and what, what, why I went to school and wasted all that money. But eventually, you know, it's if you're a real comedian, it's something that you have to do. It's something that you can't not do. And you can't have a backup plan because you would definitely take it. <laughs> so how can you how can you define a real comedian to someone just a novice, I guess? Um, that's a good question, John. A real comedian is just what I, what I mean by that. We were talking about Joe Rogan before we started, and he's a good example. It's just a way of being in the world. And we recognize each other real quickly. And all the other comedians uh, embrace and celebrate Joe Rogan because he voices it so well, like what it means to be curious about everything and open and finding the, the humor and everything. And I don't know, in, in, a, in a loftier sense, being in the world, but not of the world kind of thing. So it's something that you can't turn off. Some people are comedians and still working in the accounting section. And they're very frustrated, John. They're, they're going to blow. <laughs> well, it's funny. I've actually met coworkers in my former work and I've actually talked to one guy and I was in the Sarasota area of the McCurdy's comedy club and he uh -huh. has a school there. And I told one of my coworkers, I said, you know, you're very talented. I said, because he had, because you sense that, you know, he has that talent. Yeah. And I, said, I, just, I think you should need to go to school. I said, I think you've got a gift. And uh, I don't know if he's acting up, but I really try to push him as hard as I can without being rude, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I, I love that, to, that you recognize that. I mean, even if it doesn't follow your advice, you, you still gave him that. Yeah. And, I, you know, I guess the older you get, you see things, you know, in this in, the, in life. And so, you know, what is a what is your work schedule like? Because I know you primarily work. You know, not, I guess you work in all different places. But what is your work schedule like? Well, I'm on ships about 35 to 40, about 35 weeks a year. Um, so I have just always um, I'm always on my way to the next one. I do work on land. Last night, for instance, uh, two days ago, I got off of Carnival Radiance and I s slept at home. And then I drove to San Diego, which is which is about four hours and back. And then uh, today's a day off. And then I get back. Um, I've got shows in Vegas this weekend and then I'll get back on a ship on Monday. Oh, wow. So yeah. So it's just like everybody works. I just report on it more. It seems like I'm working. You know, you're working every day, too. You just yeah. don't tell me about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, what is a normal work day for you like? You know, because, you know, as a, as a passenger, we just see this comedian walk on the stage and he talks about his cabin, you know, and, you know, and, and you just don't know this. This guy just shows up on stage. And I was curious, what is a, a real working comedian's life like, you know, during that day? A helicopter flies us in and drops us on board. And as soon as we're done, it whisks us away. No. <laughs> Um, See, so that's a, there's a difference between the ships. I actually request from my agent ships like Carnival, where I get to go up every single night because you, I don't want to be sitting alone with my thoughts in my little kennel. <laughs> you know? um, and and um, other ships, but which I really like. Princess is another of my favorite. I think Carnival and Princess are my favorites, but for different reasons. Like on Princess, you only do four shows a week which is a drawback for me, but they treat you very well. And the, and the passengers could not be nicer. Uh, Carnival's more like an actual club that you'd find on land. And that's what I like about it. And you go up 
at least once every single day. Um, but you have to have a discipline. You have to kind of be, um, what do you call it? Like self-directed? Is that what they call it? Uh, so um, you create your own structure. There's a word for that. So when I wake up, you know, I go I go about my own little routine and I write every day. And, and in my act, I play the guitar. So I, I have my guitar time. And then I also run some shows back home. So I have that, like I've got skin in the game when I get back home. So are you on board for a full cruise or do you come on? I know some fly in and fly out, but I've, I've heard of that, but I don't really know how it works. Yeah, they call us fly-ons. I, I've come to work by my own request, mostly on Carnival, just because it's the most fun. Um, so what we do is we join halfway through a cruise and then leave you either do the front end or the front half or the back half on Carnival, and then they swap the comedians out. So they're giving more comedy. Uh, Carnival pushes comedy to the forefront, which is another thing I like about them. They're real. They really they really get it that part. Um, Princess, on the other hand, I'd probably be they'd be there for the whole cruise uh, and just enjoying it more like you would as a passenger. Well, you're like the you're the king, John. You're cruise addict godfather. So. <laughs> Maybe not at your level, but as a lay person, you know. Yeah. So, you know, people are curious, or do you get a, do you, are you in a crew area or do you get like the, the, the you know, the penthouse suite or how's that work? <laughs> Definitely not the penthouse suite. Um, and that part differs from cruise line to cruise line. So on, I, I think Princess does it really well where there's like a purgatory section. So I enter the ship as a passenger, so I don't have to go through the drills and do all the crew stuff, but I'm still like in a crew area. You know, they don't give up a, uh, a stateroom because they'll make more money on that. That totally makes sense. Um, Carnival in Norwegian, you know, it's going to be like straight up crew and it's just part of the job. Um, and then on another ship like um, Holland America or Celebrity, um, they give you the, a room room, a stateroom, and it's nice. And it's part, one of the perks of doing those ships. Yeah, can now can you bring your wife along if if you have if she has a schedule you know works out for your family or? Yeah, my wife is uh, man. She deserves a medal for living with me. First of all, John, <laughs> like she she bet on this horse. Like I owe her a mansion, um, but uh, she she doesn't like to come along for ships where I'm a crew member because it's a little um, I don't know it's ship everything's ship shaped. It's like being in the navy and not the experience that you're used to above board. It's a whole different thing, but she does pick and choose. She came with me to Alaska for a couple of weeks on Holland America. She really, she still talks about it. She'll go to Hawaii. You know, <laughs> she bases her decisions mostly these days, John, on is there a meal uh, or, you know, on the cruise ship, like where are we going? On Carnival though, I, I do so many shows. It's not really as much fun for her uh, to, because I'm I'm focused, you know. Yeah, so that makes me think. You know, we're used to like I know with all the performers, they're they're practicing the production shows, and musicians are practicing, and of course they get a lot of time, you know, performing on a carnival ship and most of these ships. As a comedian, how do you practice? Is it just a lot of shows, or? Yeah, so comedy. Yeah, comedy is strange that way. I'm probably different than most comics. Like some comedians, um, like Seinfeld, will wake up and force himself to write for an hour each day. I do the same thing, but I'm a guitar. I do half of my act is stand up proper and half is guitar. So when I practice, I'm practicing guitar, and sometimes I do it in the life jacket room. Like there's just everything on a sea day. Every crook and nook and cranny is taken, so I have to go create some space. So if you hear, if you walk by a life jacket room and there's guitar, that's me practicing. But with ideas, we kind of work them out on our lips a little bit or in the recorder. But comedy, there's no rehearsal. It's um, you're not memorizing words. You're remembering angles and beats, payoffs, laugh lines. So you have to remember what what's funny about that and and articulate your way to it in real time. And then the people decide as a democracy whether or not it really was funny. So that gives, makes me think of another question. Do you get heckled? You know, I mean, I know we see that, you know, that it makes a lot of the highlight reels as far as on the Internet, you know. But as a, do you find yourself getting heckled on cruise ships or is it? 
Um, not so much on cruise ships. Sometimes if, if the audience is flat, you're like, I wish they would, you know, like let's, let's step this up a notch. And if they do, when the crowd is flat, then that person becomes like the sacrificial lamb you go really hard. Um, but most time hecklers, they don't even realize they're heckling. They're just over participating because they're drunk, you know, I did though, I did this, I'm not going to say which one it was. I did the a uh, uh, booze cruise on Super Bowl weekend, Ooh, and I have never walked into a meat grinder like that. Like they, I could not do one bit. Like not, they were not into material, and it just became me roasting the room. And to their delight, it was a whole different thing, John. And that's art <laughs> itself, right? <laughs> Yeah, you know, you got to be prepared to do the whole thing as a show. You know, that's what you put all the 10,000 hours in for. But then um, as soon as you walk up to that line, you also got to be ready to go wherever they want to go and call lateral. But on cruise ships, John, you know, you, they all of them want you to do this is going to be a set and this is going to be a set. And, you know, Princess wants two different 45 minutes clean and Carnival wants two clean and three adult and they, you name them, so they're different. But in the moment, um, the audience, it, sometimes the show goes where it wants to go. So as soon as I finish the show and I talk to people, I go back to my room and I log all the things that I did. And now those are off the table for the next one. So as the week goes on for Carnival, it becomes a little harder for me because I don't have every, all the quivers in my uh, arrow. What am I trying to say, John? Yeah, I know but what you're yeah. My arrows in my quiver. Yeah. <laughs> Because you've used that material, you know, yep. early in the week or something like that. And that's got to be a challenge. I mean, because you've got your best stuff and then, you know, later in the week you want to pull it out. But you're like, well, especially with repeat cruisers, right? These people like that. That's it. You put your finger on it. On Carnival in particular, because they push comedy to the fore, you'll get people who come back to every single show. And as yeah. soon as I look out and I see one person, I can't repeat myself because I feel like a fraud. Like they see through me, you know. They're seeing my tricks. <laughs> you know, you may have covered this earlier, but I had to ask you again. Are you able to enjoy free time, you know, aboard the ship? Are you able to – it sounds like some some lines you can't, but some lines you can. So are you able to, like, be like a passenger on off days, like on those longer cruises? It sounds like with Princess, and I'm not sure if Carnival – so on Carnival, um, to my delight, um, I just work. I just work. And I don't even really pay attention to where the ship's going. And if I've got a few shows that night, I won't even get off. And now they've introduced a, a noon show. So, you know, it's, uh, it requires a kind of discipline that another ship may not. Uh, but I like that. So on Princess, by comparison, that's the one my wife would come with me. Um, I really focus on the days of the show and I'm always taking notes and I try to have the same experience as the passengers. So I go into port, but I'm kind of looking for the funny I'm looking for the laughs uh, unless my wife comes and then we're whale watching or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, but I don't enjoy it the same way you do. I'm always, um, I always feel personally like I'm at work. Other comedians, maybe they've been at it longer and feel more, established i feel like they get out and parasail and enjoy things a little more than i do yeah now is you when you walk around do passengers recognize you when you're trying to like go to the buffet after a show or dinner or something that's like another that? that's another great question josh so you have all these great questions you said you, you're, you're you're putting your finger on all the good stuff that's um that's one of the the perks you know i've i've had i have tv credits you know i've been on comedy central and america's got talent and all of those things but there's you feel like a like a real you get to a taste of what it's like to be a celebrity um if you if you if you really give yourself during a show and you really connect with them and you and you create the the delight that they came for, they, they celebrate you and they come up and, you know, even little kids are wowed and for like they come to the family show. That's been a, a really cool thing, especially on Carnival, where they are constantly promoting the comedians. Your your face is constantly on the Jumbotron and in the hallways and stuff. And so they I, I, one of the reasons I like Carnival the most is you feel you feel a little special for that time. Oh, but then, John. The passengers turn over and you got to start all over again. You're, it's like it's like 50 first dates with Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler. No matter how well it went you know, for that last 
group of people. You got to win them all over again. So you're a nobody the next day. Now, are you able to go get a guy's burger or, you know, without people like, you know, tell me a joke or something. I mean, I don't know what, I really don't know what it's like to be an entertainer on a comedian on a ship, but I know that any type of fame, people recognize you and you're just trying to do your thing, you know? Yeah. So if you're out there listening in uh, Facebook land, where are we going out with this, John? Everywhere, of course, everywhere. Everywhere. So wherever (laughs) you're listening, don't be the, I got a joke for you guy or woman. (laughs) It's. (laughs) Very, very rare that that turns out well, and especially if it begins with you looking over your shoulder. Oh, this could be an awkward moment for the comedian. There's, there's a funny line by Mike Birbiglia, comedian, and he was at the dentist, and the dentist or the doctor says, "Well, you don't seem very funny," and he goes, "No, you're the joke later." <laughs> so, now, with all this traveling, is it lonely? I know. Passengers ask you that, right? Or is it, is it get lonely? Because travels can be rough, right? You know? Wow. You're, now we're going deep. You're dragging me into the deep water, John, because um, that's a reason that a lot of comedians don't do cruise ships at all, um, because you have to really come to terms with a lot of existential stuff. I miss my wife. I love my wife dearly. Um, and, and we're both romantics. So that was the hardest part is realizing that the joy that I have that comes so easily to me when I'm with my wife and with my uh, larger family, I've got to create on my own, you know, like, um, wherever I'm at and knowing that I'm doing what I have in me to do. So if I were to die today, I'd still have no regrets, even though I, I always have that longing. So when I'm, when I am home, which isn't a lot nowadays, cause it's, um, you know, I've been blessed with work, especially this year. There's a renaissance going on with comedy, John, since uh, the apocalypse. Um, we really make the most of it. So we're going to go see Sting next week. Oh, and, wonderful. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we, we just have a lot of things planned for, so we make the most of the little time we do have. But yeah, it gets, it, it can, it can get lonely. So what I, I have things that I do for myself. Um, you know, I, I, I go through all the things that I appreciate every day and I, I meditate every day. I, I do things that are, I guess, spiritual. Um, I don't know how the other comics deal with it. I try not to get into that conversation. Do you work out on the ships as you like to every day? Yeah, yeah every for day? sure. For sure. That's a big part of it too, is just the, the sanity of that all. I love, I love to work out anyway, even under the, even if I had nothing to do, it's still one of my favorite things. So. I'm not sure if you're a fan of Rick Beato. He's big on the internet as far as music. Who is it? It's a Rick Beato, B-E-A-T-O. He's on a, he's a YouTuber. He's mm-hmm. a musician and he's actually in the Atlanta area. And he actually did an interview with Sting recently. Wow. And it's the first time that I've actually seen, you know, cause a lot of times you see like the PR stuff, but this was very deep and it's very intellectual as far as music goes. So I highly recommend you look it up at any of our listeners and viewers. Check it out. Really amazing. I mean, he's a real popular, um, uh, like I said, YouTuber, but yeah, the questions were so deep. I've never seen anything like it from sting in my whole life. And I know oh, Sting's, sting goes deep for sure. So speaking of meditation and, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I do a joke about, it. Oh, check this out, John. I was doing a show on carnival about a month ago and I, I was goofing about how the song eight, six, seven, five, three, Oh nine. I go, it was a one hit wonder and they never sold the number. They never cashed it in. I go, he's probably using it for his business. Now, if you're, if you're looking for a plumber and you now here's a number and I'll come fix your plumbing. And who is in the back of the room, John? The guy who wrote the song from Tommy no. Two-Tone in the no. back of the room. And he's British. And he comes up afterward. We totally hit it off. I love this guy. His name's Jimmy. And um, so the next night, we, had, we, we, we got together. and We thought this through. He comes back. And I start doing that bit. And he starts heckling me. Oh, that's not how it's done, mate. And like he's drunk. And I go, oh, do you think you can do it better? And he comes up and just slays the song. And, and then afterward, I let him know who he is, standing ovation. It was so much fun. Of course, I love that song, being a child of the 80s here. You yeah. Know, that is awesome. Jenny, yeah, so, Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's crazy. All, you know, that with that in mind, there's all these bands like from that era 
they're all like they're in every casino. And I'm sure a lot of you guys cross paths, you know, in the same venues. It's like everybody, these bands from our childhood are all coming through and having a, a whole resurgence. Yeah, it's good. I, I try to, that's the hardest part for me, John, is because I, I play to so many different audiences. I might do a church one night and then that Super Bowl booze cruise the next. And you, and you got to have music as the part that's hardest to bridge everyone together. Um, so I try to keep like people who have the, the nostalgia and then also Ed Sheeran and, and then some more, you know, there's something for everybody. It's, that's been the trickiest part. Is it different to to play to to perform on a cruise ship to a cruise ship audience compared to a land based comedy club, say in Atlanta or L.A.? Um, yes, on, I prefer cruise ships because it's a bigger cross sample of America. But in comedy clubs, those are all people who who decided to go to comedy and bought a ticket and showered and made plans to go see comedy. Whereas on a cruise ship, you're going to get a lot of people who are like, yeah, why don't we go see comedy? Like they may not have the same comedy IQ. And for that reason, um, I, I, with cruise ships, sometimes you have to work a little harder to put them under your hypnosis, I guess. And um, the music I find works better on cruise ships than it does on land. Um, but it could be that, you know, a guitar act like me, sometimes they even call me a boat act, uh, doesn't do as well on land because a lot of the purists will see me like they would see Carrot Top. Like I got a like a prop. I got some cheat code. Um, but the reason I do music is that I, I love music and music and laughter is what I live for. And on cruise ships, they celebrate music a lot more than they do on a, in a comedy club. Yeah. Now it made me think of a question, you know, when you, I know sometimes the, the comedians will be on the main stage in the, in the show lounge, you know, a big venue that holds thousands of passengers. Right. And the one night doing like a late night comedy show and the next day they're in a small venue like the Punchlighter Comedy Club on a carnival ship. Is that a big adjustment for an entertainer? A very good question. Again, John, you are good. You are good at this. A reason that you are where you are. There's a big difference between the theater, any theater show and a comedy club show. And the punchliner, for the, which is Carnival's Comedy Club, is the best. They, they really understand the elements of a comedy club. Some of the other ships are getting better. Uh, the Oasis and Allure from Royal Caribbean. The reason they have us do 16 shows in a week on that ship is that the, the room is small, but on purpose, because... You, you get in a vibe in that environment. You get on a roll in a way that you don't necessarily get in a theater show. It's more formal. You can't do crowd work. It's not like we're all in this little thing together. So when I sit, uh, sit down to strategize my shows, like when Carnival gives me my schedule, I look at the theater shows and I kind of at this point have a sense of what's going to work better and things that I can be bigger on stage because they're not going to get the little nuances and with that formality. And I can't be like, Hey, you know, where are you from? And I do believe I still do it, but it just doesn't hit the way it will in a, in a small room. Yeah. It seems like some community will just do crowd work. Is that what it's called? Where they just talk to the audience and like, that's kind of like their thing, I guess. And uh, it is. To a point, though, John, you know, there there are different elements. And if you can truly do crowd work the whole time and sustain the laughter and hit the beats and and do that, it's very few people who can. The goal really is to do that as long as you can. But realize when that wave's over, you get right on the material. And when that wave starts to die, you get right on the crowd work. And so you you got to. You know, you got to learn to that algorithm. The guys that try to just kind of milk their material or milk the time by constant crowd work. Yeah, it doesn't always go great, to be honest with you. Yeah, I can imagine you've seen a lot of different things in your career, you know, where I bet, you know, where someone tries that, it just doesn't work that well. If sometimes the audience just isn't into it, they just want to be entertained. They might be tired. They don't want to play. And you better have all of that material and invest yourself in it. Um, uh, one comedian comes to mind. He's a friend of mine. His name is Carlos Oscar. He was Princess Cruise Line's Entertainer of the Year, which included all the entertainers. Um, and he's just a great example of how 
to he just gives us all every show he's completely in the moment and he might have done that a hundred thousand times that bit but it feels like it's fresh and new it reminds me when my wife and i went to new york and we saw mama mia it was their third show that day and it was the same thing like you would have thought that they just discovered it and they they had never done this before and i go that's what it means to be a professional right there uh, is it harder to do comedy nowadays where things are so PC? Yeah, um, it can be. Um, I've always, I actually came up as a clean comic and I didn't go the other way and become my real self, John, until, <laughs> until I got on cruise ships, amazingly, which has <laughs> this long history of being the clean comedy venue. But, you know, they all have late shows. And so um, be, until then, I write for a couple of, celebrity acts whose names I'm not going to mention. You, you would know them. Um, and all, every time I had dirty material, I would give it, sell it to them. Then they would, if it worked, they would pay me. If it doesn't, then they don't. Uh, and then I just started doing that, my own late shows. And I really have a taste for it now, but, um, you know, the, the PC thing is the, the harder part where, you know, for me, like some, I'll do some ships where I'm making fun of myself. Like I said, I'm slowly turning into Ellen, you know, and, and that was enough to turn an audience against me. I'm like, wow, you got, is, is that your line? Okay. So then I do my church show for them and it's fine. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I have a lot more material in that really uh, snowflake audiences as the comics call them, where it's, everything is safe for them. I, I can do that, but you want it to, you want to give it spice because for comedy aficionados like yourself, you know, you want to give them something, something. So <laughs> it's uh, finding that line is uh, we have barometer jokes that we do up top and you see how, how far they'll go with you. And then once you find that line, you dance that line. <laughs> it's fascinating, you know, that people, you know, the average person might not know that comedians have writers that they can buy jokes you know and material and and so on and so forth that all the writers behind the late night shows and you know all these different things that people might not think about as a general passenger or you know viewer it's, it's pretty remarkable how how much um can you talk about that really famous people have writers john <laughs> guys like me i am the writer like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, i got it but even you, uh, you know, like you said, you're providing jokes. You're writing jokes for other comedians, right? Yeah, no, I wish I had them all back, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I could use them all now. But I was only selling the ones that I couldn't do for myself. So um, some jokes that I would write would be a lot better coming from an African-American comic. And so they would go, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I can use that. And then some... You know, you got to be real careful around LGBTQT thing. That make that's just one of the things that makes people nervous. Um, so, like, there are just areas I don't go into at all. And then you also can't spend too much time writing about current events. Like, I had these great jokes about the balloon floating, the Chinese balloon floating over, but I didn't really invest myself in it because it's not going to be funny in May. So. You know, you want to give yourself to more evergreen stuff. I think this I think for me, John, like I try to, especially on a cruise ship, a lot of comics go. Uh, the reason they went into comedy is they have an axe to grind and a mission, you know, and I, sometimes I go, well, maybe you should have gone into politics or something, you know, if, if you want that platform. I just want people to laugh. I want them to come there and forget the news for an hour and laugh at the human condition and at my expense, please, you know, I'd be the village idiot. I'll, I'll represent everybody. <laughs> so that's how I go about my comedy. The ones who go about it with the axe grind, I feel for them because that line does come a lot quicker than it used to. So you, you talked about earlier that there's been a resurgence in comedy. And you know, why do you think that is? Yeah, you know, I was watching a documentary on Charlie Chaplin and his most lucrative years were during the Great Depression. I think people just need at some point to laugh. I was actually selling merch back in the day that just said laugh anyway. That was like a my, my that was my Bart Simpson cowabunga dude, laugh anyway. 
Um, you know, because life is nuclear war and epidemics and cancer, but it's also, you know, the this perfect spring day and love and laughter and music. So um, we got to learn to find joy no matter what. Um, what's your question, John? <laughs> no, I think he answered it. I basically said, you know, I was asked why there was a you felt there was oh, the resurgence. Yeah. And yeah. Know. So I think in the wake of something that made us all sit in follow our belly button to the core for a year, for two years. I think after that, we just want to laugh. We just want to be human together. And there's something really communal about coming together as a tribe, especially if um, you're a comic who, like me, just wants everyone to have a good time. I don't I don't like when people, ooh, or, or some comics, it's a badge of honor if somebody walks, like they've offended oh, really? them out of the room. And, I, I, you know, I just want everyone to have a good time. That's great. So we'll get back to cruising stuff. I know. Do you have a favorite place to visit when you're when you're cruising? Another good question. Um, you know, I, I did uh, ship out of Barcelona and I didn't get to see it much, but I knew that I would love it if I had just had a little more time there. It was like a real arts. They, they were real art, artistic, uh, the oriented people. I love that. Um, and I think Nova Scotia. I, it was my my next favorite one. I didn't see it coming, and it was so close to America. But I just felt like all of a sudden I was in Europe, but with five G service, and everyone spoke English. Like, <laughs> I got the best of all worlds here. Now you kind of talked about this earlier, but do you have a favorite ship or cruise line? Carnival is my favorite uh, for the shows and for the way they treat us and the way they understand comedy and just the leadership. All the way around, I'm a big fan of Carnival. And then I think my second favorite would be Princess for a lot of the same reasons. Um, and the, the the clientele, the passengers are a little different. You know, they're it's a different kind of uh, vibe, but I just really respect and appreciate them. Um, and I, I, I just enjoy doing all of it. But those those are my two favorite. This is a broad question, but what do you enjoy the most about your job? Well, well, every time I work, everyone's there to laugh. There's got to be something to be said for that. <laughs> um, and I love when I can facilitate that and bring the room together. I mentioned I drove out last night to San Diego and I did the show. And afterward, this woman came up. She would lost her husband last year. And she said that was the first belly laugh that she had. And um, the she actually used the word delight, like the delight that I had given her and she gave me a lot more than the paycheck did. That's for sure. There's something real gratifying about um, that human connection. Cause that's what it's going to be about. Like we were talking about the loneliness on the road. And if I die today, I can't have any regrets. Like this is what I have in me to do. And I'm just lucky that I'm with a woman who understands that and, and gets my passion for it and is also here to, to, play and and i get i get that too i'm really a lucky man that is everything isn't it it really is yeah, yeah. so i imagine you have some unique travel stories you know, <laughs> is there one that comes to mind that you might share with us oh from the last week yeah sure um <laughs> i mean really i i i was compiling stories for a a, a book called hell gigs uh just travel related yeah. stuff but with Carnival, we we join the cruise halfway through, so that I might have to join in Haiti or you know the, the Dominican Republic, and I've got a chicken in my lap, and they're yelling at each other in Spanish, and I'm like, like what's going on? Just it's two hours to the airport, and there's a guy in a moped with a cattle on his shoulder. I'm like, oh man. Um, <laughs> And that just happened recently. But uh, Delta, they I don't know what got in the air, but I i just had to go to Louisiana and back for uh, a gig and two flights were canceled and I slept in the airport. And oh, wow. uh, it's just I'm telling you, I'm like I have on my back like I'm from California. I've got my Trader Joe's goodies. I've got an electric my iPod and stuff. And I'm I'm like an uppity homeless guy. Like, do you have any gray poupon? I'll be sleeping in the corner by Delta. But that, uh, what happened? The the, ups, the the upside to that, or you know, the upshot was that I ended up being awake literally for two days straight, 
uh, two all nighters, couldn't sleep. One was a red eye going in, and then I had to take a red eye going back, and then do a show. And I was kind of like sleeping on my feet during the show, like I, I'm starting to have that, you know, fear and loathing in Las Vegas feel to it. Like I was doing comedy, but I wasn't sure what I was saying, and and it was a standing ovation. So maybe maybe I'll start staying awake for 48 hours before every show. That's got to be hard, you know. It's because you have a like I said, all everything's going downhill, and all of a sudden you've got to be on. I mean, and that's of course led to a lot of people having problems with substance abuse. I mean, all through our life, we've seen many performers have problems with that. Is that hard to deal with, where you have to be on? Uh, yeah, um, and sometimes I'll be doing a f- ship out of Florida, and there's no way for them to fly me there the same day. So I'll take the red eye, and then people think, "Well, you just take a nap on the ship." When you board the ship, there's all kinds of stuff that you got to do to get ready, not, let alone ironing and moving in and stuff. There's the safety drill, and then there's the you report to this and the rubber stamp, and um, and then you're on three shows, and you got to be ready, and they all have to be different. And you got to be on your game there. You can't phone any shows in every show is an audition for the privilege of coming back because it's like the Olympics, just getting on the ship in the first place. And you're always being raided, not just by the passengers, but by the staff, the, the entertainment director and the host, all of them. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. I've, I've, of course, found out too many things about some of stuff that everything seems to be recorded and they, they people review all these things from the production shows to all the performances. So, that you, yeah, it's pretty significant, isn't it? Yeah, you got to be on your A game. And um, yeah, exactly. There, there are no you can't take any shows off and you can't have any excuses because the people who just got on their cruise this big vacation week and celebrating their mom's anniversary, they don't care how much sleep you got. They came to see comedy tonight. Yeah. <laughs> be funny right? <laughs> or else yeah can you share a couple of general travel tips that that we might not be thinking about but that i mean no one probably travels more than you right you get better at traveling my my tip is to get as many miles as you can so they bump you up to first class and let you hang out in the admiral club <laughs> but one thing i used to do is cut everything close like i felt like whatever i was doing was so important that i could just leave at the last minute and I find that everything is better. Just leave early. Leave five hours early. And then you don't care that, you know, there are the people with the stroller that can't figure it out in front of you. You just don't care. Um, so I, I just leave early, work on my phone, and um, you, you just get better at all. If you travel internationally, get the global entry, 100%. That's going to pay itself off. It's not that much more than just getting um, TSA pre-check in the first place. But when you come back into the country, there's no line at all. They look at your face. Thank you, Mr. Love. It's literally five seconds instead of going through immigration. But um, I I like to travel with my goodies like I was talking about. I, I, I have a whole bit about it on my show. But um, I went I had to fly into Puerto Vallarta. That's my least favorite airport in the world. I mean, they shake you down. They take your water, first of all, and then they charge you $10 a bottle once you get in for water. There's no drinking fountain in the whole airport. Um, but then the, the dog came up to me and he sat at my back. And I'm like, are you oh, kidding no. me? I mean, look at me. Like, do I look like I'm like I'm Joel Osteen? Am I smuggling kale? Good kale, uncut, you know, Mexican kale. Yeah. And they and the guy goes through and he takes out my chia seed like oh look at this and he's showing like holds it up like he's saved the country I'm like congratulations health food almost crossed the border into Mexico but you were there <laughs> and I'm like maybe you guys this is Mexico right? I'm in the heart of the Sinaloa drug operation I'm like maybe you should start with fentanyl and firearms and work your way down to my pudding cup oh. <laughs> So don't travel with fruit people and definitely not chia seed. <laughs> I'm probably the only weirdo that would take it in the first place, but well, he knew what it was. Though. When he took it, like, he knew exactly what that was. So it wasn't his first chia seed bust. Well, I can relate a little bit because last weekend we were at Trader Joe's in Atlanta. So I'm falling right behind you there. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's the thing that you really miss when you're on the ship is just 5G service falling out of the sky for nothing. Oh, are you kidding me? 
and just Trader Joe's sparkling water, like all these little creature comforts from home. You don't take them for granted anymore. Are you ready for a quick lightning round of questions? Ding, ding, ding. I'll take uh, existential angst for 200, John. Okay. So what is the most played song on your playlist? Well, I have songs. How long is, uh, am I rushing the answer? It's a speed round. I feel, I feel nervous. You can say a several. Okay. Well, before every show, I listen to certain songs that get me into the right state. So, uh, the, so that for me, there's, uh, Eminem, uh, I think I can't remember the name. It's from eight mile. You get one shot, did not miss a chance to blow. Uh, I have Nellyville. That's for the early show. That's for the clean shows. Cause it's a vibe, but it's still, it's the groove I want to be in. And if I need, if I have slept, haven't slept in two days, I'll turn on uh, TNT, ACDC. Oh, yeah. um, so I guess those are the three most played. I have others, but oh, Beastie Boys, <laughs> rhyming and stealing. That's for when I'm on Carnival and uh, you got to get into the right place, nice space. Sometimes I'll even listen to a little Vanilla Ice, the one that they ripped off from Queen. I don't like yeah. that, that gets me rolling in the right kind of way, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. So you're ordering a coffee drink. What will it be? If I heard a coffee drink? Yeah. Well, you're talking to Mr. Trader Joe's, who doesn't really drink caffeine, John. Okay, when sir. I have a drink, uh, I do because I sing a lot. And if I have to do three shows, I, uh, I'll go up and I'll have a lot. I always have chamomile in my backpack. Okay. A homeless guy <laughs> with chamomile on his person. <laughs> okay, that's, hey, we're not we're not discriminating about anything. You cruise, you can cruise anywhere in the world. Where will it be? Nova Scotia, and I would. Uh, I, I, I think my my DNA. I, I got to go back to Ireland. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like England, the great, the United Kingdom would be my first choice. Um, just because I feel like that's. I, I don't know. I get giddy when it's overcast and. I hear the accent and I feel at home in a weird way, even though I've, I've never lived there. Um, and I was just introduced by an entertainment director, a Scottish entertainment director, Cameron on Carnival. He introduced me to Jerry Sin- Cinnamon. Uh, like uh, this, He's like the Elvis Costello of, Scot- of Scotland, where he's from. And man, I'm addicted to this guy. You guys check him out. There's a song called Cantor. You should look that up. It's... Um, this is a little masterpiece. Uh, so, it, but it called me home to a place I've never been. I, That's awesome. Yeah. So, as two big carnival fans here, Guy's Burger or Pig and Anchor? Guy's Burger. Come on. <laughs> and I, you know what? I was getting on a ship, John, in Long Beach, and Guy Ferrara got off with his posse, and he oh. looks at me. I had my guitar in my hand. He's like, "Oh man, what do you?" He asked me what I played. He's like, "Oh, go kill him." He was super cool. That's awesome. Yeah. But then again, so was Will Smith when I met him. And we know how that turned out. (laughs) No, Will Smith, actually, I think he is a really cool guy who just lost his temper. And I hope everybody forgives him because he he really is a a funny, legit guy. And and he just had a moment. So everyone's got to let him off the hook already, man. I I don't think Chris Rock is ready. You know, he had I thought he was going to take the high road on the on the end of his special. He had the opportunity to just maybe hit him once, you know, back. But it could have been like, you know, people he said on the special people ask, you know, how I feel about it. He could have said, I don't know. Have you seen my ticket sales lately? (laughs) And have you seen Will Smith's new movie? That would have been it. It would have been a dig and yet still taking the high road. And I don't know. I felt like he could have done that a little better. That was just like, it was intense that, you know, it was, you know, really something else. Yeah. Chris Rock actually is, when we were talking earlier, John, about real comedians, Chris Rock is another great example where that special is as sharp and funny and observant as anything he's ever done. He just, you you can keep getting better. It's, it's like, it's not how old you are, it's how alive you are. And that that's Jay Leno and Seinfeld and Chris Rock, you know, they're heroes for that reason. Yeah. And kind of what we were talking about earlier, like we like we were just saying, is 
I read or heard Chris Rock saying how long he took to prepare that material. I think he spent like a year on the road just honing that material, getting up in small clubs and just perfecting every one of those jokes. And I just don't think people know about that. Like I said. Yeah. Yeah. We go up every night and that's part like part, part of my wife when we really kind of I have to massage that is that, you know, I've been working on ships for 35, 40 weeks a year, but I can only sprinkle in new material because they're paying me to not try out ideas. But you have to you have to if you're not growing, you're dying like a plant. So when I'm in town and I take a little low pressure, small audience gig, that's what I'm doing. I'm working it out. Uh, I don't have the luxury of a Chris Rock where I could just spend a year developing material and then Netflix gives me $30 million to, to do it. There's always the future though, right? Yes, that's right, John. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you a very, very hard question. Who is your favorite comedian? That is hard because it changes from week to week. It uh, It's flavor of the week. I like to, I like when I discover somebody that I miss and um, the one that I discovered most recently, I don't know how I missed is Shang Wang. You can find his Netflix special. It's all clean, um, despite the sound of things. And um, super funny. Like, it just he feels like a Mitch Hedberg to me. Like, he, it's people who are just in the world in a really fun and uh, engaging way, like a really interesting way. Dimitri Martin, you know, just the way they process things is so stimulating. But then, you know, I really love Jim Jeffries' latest special. He was my favorite. Uh, Gary Goleman, if you don't know him, brilliant. So many great comics, John. Now, I imagine you've had influences, special influences, just because your musical side of your act. Is is there anybody specific that helped you with that or, you know, inspired you? Um, well, I hate Bo Burnham for being so damn good at it. Oh, man, the guy just like, just cranks out stuff that's really good musically and super funny. <laughs> Like he is the best uh, and really ins he he inspires me so much that he discourages me. Like I, I start I start to write something. I'm like, ah, it's never going to be Bo Burnham. So but but what I do is um, I, I find funny things in the music itself. So um, like for an older audience, I might do Rod Stewart, how he's always going to get to the sweet part but not before he gets his licks in. So his real lyrics are, you know, you wear it well, a little old fashioned, but I don't mind. Um, the, the song that begins, I, I took all those habits of yours that in the beginning were hard to accept, but you're in my heart. You know, he'll get to the sweet part, but he has like all kinds of those instances, you know. That's so funny. So lastly, if you could describe your job in just a few words, what would they be? Fun. Uh, it keeps me young. That's a lot of words. You said just one word. A few words. It feel, it's funny. When you go on Carnival, as you know, John, they have all these um, – their brand is fun. It's the fun ship. And yeah. a, 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 below the water slide, they always write, uh, fun is youth and fun is laughing. And, you know, those are all my – that's what my job is like. It's it's young. It's vital. It's laughter. It's freedom. It's breathing. It's um, really I, I love to stay inspired. So um, when I when I am, I get excited about ideas that come to me, even though I can only sprinkle them in. Um, but last night when I drove to San Diego, I, I just just pounded them with all these new ideas and they didn't all go well. There were some flops, but I was so excited to find out, like, it's like having a new toy. So let's go with inspired. That's great. And that obviously that creative outlet, right? You know, where you can, that's incredible. Yeah. Like we say, it's, it's gotta be something that you can't not do. <laughs> so before we go, how can people follow you and, you know, find a show either land side or on a ship? Yeah, well, you on all of the uh, social networking platforms, I'm at Jason Love Comedy. And then um, my website is jasonlove.com, where there are videos and uh, a lot of carnival in there. I think I've got some princess clips and then regular land clips. Uh, and everything that I post online is clean. Uh, it's all clean family stuff. So, 
Yeah, I saw a fella, uh, it was a clip, and I just shared it. Uh, this guy gets up and he gets behind you on a guitar when you're playing the guitar, and he's like touching your chest. And I oh, was is that a- <laughs> oh right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he was a. I wish you could have seen the whole show, John, because he was a veteran, and I was already kind of um, ripping him into him a little bit. It was a late show, and um, his wife was a therapist. So <laughs> a couple of those jokes were actually callbacks that you didn't see the first part to about. I can't remember what it was about me tearing my meniscus. Um, the reason it got such a big laugh is I had already talked about that with another couple and, um, I can only show little tiny clips for TikTok and stuff. So I couldn't put the whole thing out there, but that was absolutely hysterical. <laughs> so, yeah. He was doing my arms. <laughs> yeah. He was touching your chest and everything. And oh. it, was, it was so funny. <laughs> I can't believe that I, you know, if I, if I could have a travel machine, John, I wouldn't go back and kill baby Hitler. I'd go back to all the shows where I missed the line. I missed the laugh line on that one. I never, that was like, I could have been like hashtag me too. How did I not say that at some point as he's roping all over me? You know, <laughs> it was, it was absolutely hysterical. So it definitely worked it. And the crowd was just howling, laughing. Yeah. yeah. So, so much fun. I, you know, I really appreciate us covering so much. Is there anything that, we didn't cover that you'd like to share? Only that I respect you, John, for what you do. And I am a fan of yours and uh, the whole culture, the whole, you ha- you have your own orbit. Uh, I just really love what you're doing. And I hope that you keep doing it right into the sunset. Likewise. Thank you so much. He is Jason Love. Really a great, wonderful guy. Thank you. It's been wonderful to meet you, Jason. Thanks, John. You too. The proceeding was a presentation of Cruise Addicts.